Hello and welcome to One Real Good Thing, where we dive into one thing you can do today to propel your life in a healthy direction. I'm Ellie Krieger, and in this episode, I'm talking with Mark Bittman, who has been a leading voice in global food culture and policy for more than three decades. He's written 30 books, including the How to Cook Everything series. He's hosted and been featured in four television series. And his TED Talk, What's Wrong with What We Eat, has been viewed 5 million times. He's a fellow at Yale and is on the faculty of Columbia's Mailman School of Public Health. He's currently the editor-in-chief of The Bitman Project, which sponsors a newsletter, website, and the podcast, Food with Mark Bittman. His one real good thing is to take food seriously. Well, welcome, Mark Bittman. It is really a pleasure and an honor to have you here. Um, I, I'm not sure if people realize this is a very much a full circle moment for me. I don't know if you remember, but you were a guest on my very first television show, Living Better with Ellie Krieger, and it was shot in the Boston area. It was an NBC syndicated show. Mm-hmm. And you taught, and you actually demoed. You were writing the minimalist column for the New York Times at that time, and you demoed on my show how to very simply and easily cook chicken breast so that it actually tastes delicious. And I have to tell you, to this day, I use your method for cooking chicken breast. So I'm impressed. Well, I do remember that. I remember meeting, and I guess, I mean, that could have been 20 years ago. It was. It was definitely 20 years ago. So you've been up to a lot since then. (laughs) Yeah. It's Um, funny. I just, um, someone asked me what I was doing. I have like, it's very easy for me now because I'm not, I don't have an official job. I can make it sound like I'm really, really busy or I can make it sound like I'm doing nothing at all. So depending on how much I want to talk to the person who's asking, I you know, I play down everything or I play up everything. Anyway, my life remains interesting. I'll say that. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, just the influence you continue to have in the food world. And I just love hearing your voice in all of these conversations. Um, So thank you for being here today to share your insight with us. And I'd love to just like really launch in because your one real good thing is definitely a mindset shift that is multi-layered and I'm really excited to dig into that. And your one real good thing is to take food seriously. So just off the bat, what do you mean by that? <laughs> and the other, the other way to, that's the statement. The statement is I'd encourage people to take food seriously. And the question or one way to take food seriously is to ask what food is for. Like, what is food for? So by answering the question, what is food for, we we learn how to take food seriously. If you think food is to provide nourishment for as many people as possible while doing as little damage to the planet as possible, I'm for that. I think that's a good definition. That's not the way most people think. Um, And it's not the way we're encouraged to think. We're encouraged to think of food as a commodity, as a way for corporations to make profits, um, as something that will inevitably damage the earth, as something that will be distributed unfairly. 
um, and something that doesn't that serves some people better than it serves others. I don't like that definition. So I think when I say let's take food seriously, I mean let's really think about why food exists, what it's for, how we can use it to serve humanity as best as possible. I hear that as saying how if as a community, almost looking at food as being part essential part of being in a community and looking at it from that lens as opposed to the very consumerist perspective that I think we're often we're really basically born into that consumer perspective in this society. Yeah, we're driven into it for sure. Um I think that's right. I think you're absolutely right. I I think um, we need to have communal might be too strong a word for some people, but we need to have societal values. We need to have some agreement about what we want, what society is for, um, what a country is for. Um, and I don't, imagine that we're ever going to have universal agreement on on that but what we don't have is a is a considered way of looking at things moving forward defining things saying what our goals are um and we're kind of a mess in that regard and yet food is we do better we do better around healthcare and transportation in a way than we do around food. And if we see food as a, a common utility, as something that we need to manage as a society, I think we can start to move in the right direction. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to do land reform and food sovereignty and, and food justice and all of those super important things until we start somewhere, until we start addressing some food issues. Uh, I don't think we're going to start with, much as I'm in favor of land reform, reparations, food sovereignty, and so on. I think we need to start with addressing issues like antibiotics in the food supply and uh, uh, unregulated pesticides, unregulated factory farming, and so on. These are huge issues, and we're not even really not even addressing them. And they're just the first steps. Yeah. As a, as a nutritionist, I've been, you know, I became a dietitian in 1994, I think it was. And I think really only until basically recently was there even this notion within the nutrition profession that eating well actually involves this type of, that there are social determinants of this, that it's not just the individual saying, oh, I'm going to eat more broccoli and less you know, sugar, it's not all, it doesn't come down to that. So much of it is really made decision-wise on the societal level. And there are so many social determinants of health and in, in, nutri in nutrition, in health in general, and particularly nutrition as well. And so just looking at this. So when we, when you say take food seriously, I think you mean, and tell me, you know, obviously you'll, you'll correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think you mean that it's important and the decisions that you make have a broader impact than you might realize. Um, and those decisions, maybe they're existing on multiple levels in your life. Maybe they're, maybe they're part of, you know, what you're going to make for dinner to that night, but it's also other decisions like who you vote for and things I, like that. I think that, yeah, you're right. Um, and you've 
not surprisingly, you've got it. We both, um, uh, we know that I'm older than you, but we also know that that 20 years ago, 25 years ago, when you became a dietitian, and for many years after that, the public health community was sending out a message that you and I were supportive of and that we now see as inadequate. I mean, I'm not looking to blame anybody here particularly, least of all you or me, but... but <laughs> Not the, Let's public, be clear. <laughs> not the public health community at large either. I think there was a, a long time when um, we would say by making the right decision, you can lead a healthier life. Uh, you can affect climate change, reduce the, reduce the pace at which climate change is happening. You can reduce environmental impact, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I'm not going to speak for you. I still believe that but it's not under everybody's control. And that's the piece that was missing from the public health, the general public health community's prescription for diet um, 20 years ago. And that's the piece that's really come to the fore in the last 10 years. As you say, this is a supply issue as much as a demand issue. Um, it's not only up to people to change their personal behavior, it's up to us to support to cause the food supply or to encourage the food supply to be beneficial to all of us. And that comes back to your initial thing of what is food for? And it, and we're, everyone deserves the right to good, healthy food. So I think that that is, you know, a foundational value that most people would agree with. Right. Um, but that's the question is take food. If you say take food seriously, or you say, what is food for? Do we have general agreement that everybody has the right to affordable, nutritious food? Because if we do have agreement on that, let's act as if we have agreement on that, because we don't act as if we have agreement on that. So it, let's say people listening here now, let's say they do agree that to that. But then I feel like there's almost this angst that's always there. Like, first of all, there are so many considerations in terms of food for uh, a person, whether they're feeding themselves, they're trying to feed their family, there's cost, there's preference, there's time issues involved, there's effort, there's all of these things that we consider on the daily basis, which is partially why many people don't even cook, right? right. Um, so as we add to that, we're saying, okay, and it matters, and you need to take this seriously because this is important. Sometimes without actionable items to address, I feel that that notion can almost just add to the frustration of the whole experience. So for me, I always like to pair these types of suggestions with like real life things that we can do because I think that's the stress valve. Uh, besides that it winds, winds up making a difference. It also takes, for me, knowing that something is wrong, just amps up my anxiety. Whereas knowing there's something I could do about it, then is the stress relief valve. So first of all, I would like to go back and ask you, what are some things we can do about it to show that we do value what we're saying food is for here? Um, so how do we, how do we show, how do we act as if we care and that we want people, all people to have nutritious, um, healthful food at their uh, disposal? I mean, I, I think there are a couple of things. One is to really grill 
candidates on their positions around food and environmental issues because they're tied so closely together. Health issues too, for that matter. So um, where do you stand on, on factory farms in our community? Where do you stand on the size of farms? Where do you stand on easements for new farmers or on creating land for new farmers? Those kinds of questions of candidates, I think, are really important. And to judge candidates based on, on those issues. Look, we have perfect example happening right now. I don't know where this will be at by the time you publish, but right now we have the perfect example of people examining their candidate's position on Roe v. Wade. And this has been something that's been um, talked about and fought about for 30, 40 years, but you probably know what your congressperson's position is on Roe v. Wade, but I bet you don't know what your congressperson's position is on factory farming in your district. Um, and I, I think that's, an, that's one important thing. I think supporting, actively supporting working farms that, that act according to the principles of good farming and good ecology is a really important thing. Now, that's not easy for everybody. We might not even know working farmers. We might not know how to support them and so on. But I think the principle of that, the principle of saying we want to support new farmers, uh, we want to support transferring land into the hands of people who want to farm it right, I think that's really important. Parents can obviously play a role in uh, having input into what happens when their children are at school. And school lunches have been an amazing opportunity to both change the diets of children and to make sure that children get, you know, for many children in this country, school lunch is the most important meal of the day, the most nourishing meal of the day. And that, in a way, goes right back to the beginning of what are our priorities in food? What is food for? How do you take food seriously if you're if we're willing to say um, we want children to be nourished, therefore we're doing free or reduced pay school lunches, that's a really interesting step. Do we want children to be nourished at breakfast and after school and at dinner also? And do we want their parents to be nourished no matter what they do for a living or where their job is or whether they can cook or whether they can afford to shop at farmer's markets? I mean, these are all questions that we need to be asking ourselves, and they all lead to actionable. I mean, it's not easy for everybody to spend time doing civic things, which is what this amounts to, but that's what's, that's what's important. And that's, you know, why the what is food for or why take food seriously really leads to what is society for and why do we take this country seriously? What do we want from it? What do we demand from it? Yeah, um, absolutely. I actually went prior to this conversation, just when I was mulling over what to discuss and, and some specifics, one of the things that really came to mind for me personally was just this weekly visit I do to my farmer's market. And it's a, you know, a half hour out of my day that I literally schedule on Friday mornings, because that's when my local farmer's market's happening here couple blocks down the street. Mm-hmm. I know that's not for everyone, but even when I, you know, that it's not that close and convenient for everyone uh, in, in the country, but 
it's surprisingly accessible. And I think if you just carve out a little bit of time, it actually is a delightful activity that you can do with friends. And maybe instead of meeting for a drink or a cup of coffee, go to the farmer's market. Um, So you can kind of double up on social activities there. And it really very much ties you into your community. So every time I'm there, I meet with this one farmer in particular, um, Jeff from J&A Farms. And I just, you know, connect with him. I understand how he's growing and his passion and his efforts to grow in a, you know, regenerative sustainable way. And, um, and also the struggles that he has sometimes when there's been flooding and there's no lettuce because his fields flooded or whatever it may be. I find it incredibly valuable for me to be supporting him to, and for me to be supporting, um, those efforts as a, as a concept. And it also is an incredible in terms of how much more delicious the food is, I have to say that when his lettuce didn't come through that year, I, I felt the difference because that food like literally feels alive. There's a difference in it that is palpable. And so I think the benefits to you right away are apparent. And then it also brings you into this community fold. So I think really to me, almost if there was like one thing to do, it would be just like to carve out a little bit of time if you can. And it doesn't happen every week for me either. But if you can to go to find your farmer's market and visit and support that effort. Yeah, I mean, that does make sense. And especially makes sense now because we've seen the limits of the global food system or we've gotten a clue to seeing the limits of the global food system, both as a result of the pandemic, but also the Russian invasion of Ukraine. The fact that Russia invades Ukraine and suddenly it's harder to get, I don't know, what was I reading about? Seed oils than than it was or, and the price of wheat goes up and so on. Um, If we had strong regional food systems that we, they would be more reliable in terms of crisis. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, And I have to say though, I'm grateful that I get avocados and lemons and things that don't grow around here. So in the Northeast, I think I don't, I don't, undervalue the fact that I can get those things. But I do think it's important, as you say, also to support those local systems that are going to be here (laughs) no matter what in some way. Um, But do you think people don't take food seriously? I mean, probably most of the people listening here are taking food seriously. So like how do people really not? I mean, I almost find it unfathomable. And, and, And what are the repercussions of not taking food seriously? I mean, I think people take food for granted. I think people assume that they're going to be able to have lemons and avocados and even mangoes and bananas every day of the year. I don't think a lot of people give a lot of thought to how that happens or the challenges that um, have to be overcome for that to happen. And I don't think that we, if we thought things through more carefully, I think we'd value local food, regional food, food produced by our neighbors or food produced by local businesses, we'd value that more highly and we'd support that um, more actively. Look, I eat lemons and avocados also, but I understand that there are um, adequate substitutes for both and that we don't need to have those. And I would rather have... um, locally produced food and eat seasonal food to whatever 
extent that I can. And I, it's sort of what you said about the farmer's market. I mean, I kind of do that. I'm not a fanatic, but I eat, um, I eat root vegetables all winter. I hardly eat anything else. I eat greens from a greenhouse most of the winter. I don't, you know, I try to use vinegar more and lemons less and so on as a Northeast person. Um, I'm not saying it's bad to transport goods, but I'm saying a stronger food system is a regional food system. So, but I don't know if I answered your questions. Do people take foods? I mean, I would say generally no, but that's not scientific. <laughs> right. But just like the temperature that you feel in the country, because people don't take it seriously. And I think it really does get back to this notion of just not really even appreciating or understanding where your food comes from. And that kind of comes, comes back to the farmer's market too. Like you're meeting the person who got it to you, who seriously loaded that truck and, and is dealing with a flooded field or a bounty of fennel or something that they're trying to sell in a few days. But um, so that, that whole process is so important to be aware of. And when you start to really look at like, wow, how did that avocado get to me and think about the workers in those fields, uh, in those, I guess it's orchards because they grow on trees um, of avocados. How are they being treated? And like all of the layers that go into it. And I think it's interesting in terms of taking food seriously to understand maybe the, really the core of it is this understanding the level, all the layers of the process of getting food to your plate. And that makes us respect it more if we respect it more, we waste less. I mean, for me to throw away food, I literally feel like ah, horrible. I, I do everything in my power to not throw away any food. Um, and I don't think anyone should feel horrible about food. I mean, I think that's part of this. When we talk about taking something seriously, it doesn't mean you can't have fun. <laughs> food is supposed to be a pleasure and a joy and a delight and fun, even entertaining but it can be that and be taken seriously too. If you start to become aware of all of these systems and layers of it that matter in our world. I think it's great that you raise the labor issue because of course that is one of the big issues in food and something like seven or eight out of the, the worst of the 10 worst paying jobs in the United States are food associated. They're in retail or transportation or farming um, of food. Uh, and it goes back in a way to when you ask what we can do concretely to improve the food system, what we can do to show that we're taking food more seriously. Part of that is supporting stronger labor laws for farm workers and retail workers and, and so on. But it all, I mean, the reason I love to talk about food, the reason I've grown to, from a person who, who would demo cooking chicken breasts as you said before, which you know, I think it's an important thing. It's been an honor to be able to teach people how to cook and to talk about cooking for my entire career, which is now 40 plus years. Um, but the reason that I've grown to be able to, and that I wanted to grow to be able to talk about the bigger issues in food is that it gives us an opportunity to talk about the bigger issues in society in general, because you are talking about environment and you are talking about labor and you are talking about justice and you're talking about the really the biggest issues and you're getting there. I mean, it's a, it's a metaphor, but you're getting there through people's stomachs. Yeah. I mean, 
food, that's what, one of the things, you know, in my master's degree, I remember being sort of, I did my undergrad in clinical nutrition. I learned all the biochemistry and stuff like that. And, and physiology of nutrition. And then I did my master's at Columbia Teachers College. And I remember there learning that food was politics and food is agriculture and food is sociology and food is psychology and food is global politics. <laughs> it's like, well, you were I remember, studying with the pioneer Joan Gussow, right? I was indeed. I'm hoping maybe she'll come on as a guest, actually. I went to her 90th birthday would. party. Great. Yeah, she was hugely influential for me. Um, and I guess to you too, in a way. Yeah. 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 But that sort of like literally made my brain explode hearing this, like in a good way. And and that carries through today. And I think that's why that's really much at the core of this, taking food seriously. And it does come down to understanding all of the systems that are in our that make up our food supply and the reverberations of the small decisions that we make in a way. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, I teach at, at Columbia. I don't want to get too public healthy, but I teach it at Columbia's Mailman Public School, Public Health School. And um, my goal going there, I was teaching journalism in Berkeley and it just it wasn't doing it for me. It didn't feel like it had enough Obviously, I'm a journalist and have been, and I believe in journalism, but I didn't think that I, as a teacher, was particularly good at it. And I thought through that, and I thought, well, the, the people I really want to be talking to are public health professionals, because they're the people who really are most equipped to bring, to tie together this message about food, that food is environment and politics and justice and public health and on and on and on. And um, that's and that's what I teach at Mailman. So um i'd love to think that some of my students were having their minds blown the way yours was blown but i actually think one of the reasons they want to take these courses now is they know this already so that's cool you know right and so with people more and more concerned about the price of food i mean right inflation now you hear reports all the time about these, you know, people struggling to pay for food. So a big part of this is labor issues. People should be paid enough so that they can afford food. But then some of the things we're talking about is that then when people are paid more, then food becomes more expensive. If some of these things that we're talking about are implemented, maybe food becomes more expensive. There's actually a price to cheap food. Uh, a bigger social price. And so I think this becomes a very difficult conversation in some ways is like, we don't, we want to keep food affordable, but we also want to make sure it's valued the way it should be in terms of how important it is and that people um, are not underpaying for food. And that is kind of skewing the system in a bad way. I mean, I, I don't know the answer to this, but maybe you do. <laughs> well, the answer is no, there's, there's only comments, really. There's no, we don't know how to fix this exactly, but we do know that people in the United States spend on average much less on food than people in any other industrialized country. So that's A. And B is that people in the United States spend much more on healthcare than they do in any other industrialized country. And A plus B equals C, those things are related and they're causal. They're not just correlative. Um, if you eat, badly, your health is worse. And we know that. So 
of course, there's danger in making food more expensive. And of course, you can't tell everybody to do all their shopping at a farmer's market or to buy only local food. Or you can't really even tell everybody to eat healthily because not everybody has the ammunition to be able to do that. But you can make it easier to do those things. And those are societal questions. And that's about how we value food. If we value our health, if we value our environment, if we value social justice, we have to value food. And, and it starts with, with making food better. If it becomes more expensive, then we have to think about how people can afford it. Um, as healthcare becomes more expensive, we've thought about how to help people afford that. Um, they're very, you, you can't lay out a program where you say, here's where we're going to be in 30 years and it's all going to be just fine. You just have to look at where the path starts and what the first few steps are. And the first few steps include making good food more accessible to more people. Um, and, you know, Alice Waters, who you might also have on, will argue your ear off for a half an hour about how that all begins in schools, that school lunches are the most important issue because that's where we have some control over what young people eat. So there are many different ways to attack this thing. Um, what's ultimately going to work and what's ultimately going to lead to a country that values its citizens and that treats everybody equally, which is what we say we want. Um, I don't expect to live to see it, but hopefully there'll be some encouraging signs in the future. Yes, we can definitely do what we can do now while we're here, right? And I think just to kind of summarize um, some of the things that we're talking about here. Um, so it's take food seriously, meaning that it really matters, that it's important, it's multi-layered, it's a critical part of our society. And um, to really think about the idea that we should have good nutrition for as many people as possible <laughs> um, and, and ask yourself how much you value that or how much you would value that. Um, and then steps to do that is making sure your local elected officials you know, asking them the questions, do they support working farms locally? Do they make it easier for people to afford healthy food? How are they doing that? What programs are they implementing? How are they valuing and supporting and showing that value and support for school food and school food education? Um, and then we talked just directly about going to the farmer's market, showing mm. up there, showing up there. And I think showing up there matters. Um, and, and it matters just because you showed up and those numbers count, but it also supports the local farms. It also helps you really learn more about your community and where food comes from. And I guess one more thing <laughs> that I'm, I'm seeing from our conversation, just to kind of round things up here is, um, is yeah, just trying to really tune in to the path that your food is taking from where it's grown or raised or produced to how it's getting to you and tuning into that path. Yeah. So not, is there anything you would, <laughs> no, oh, those are a lot of things. Yeah. This is supposed to be what, by the way, this show is supposed to be one small thing. And we are talking what about am I many. Come on and <laughs> say eat broccoli. It's not my style. <laughs> 
Well, I love this conversation. It's important. And it really does inform a lot of the more um, specific elements that we do get into in this podcast. I think they really feed back into this. So as people are listening to different episodes, I think they'll notice a lot of connection with these larger concepts that we're talking about. Are there any um, more things that you would add to my little roundup there? No, I think you pretty much have it. I mean, you could go on and on, but yeah, I think you've got it. Yeah. So what are you, are you anything in particular you're feeling really passionate about that you're working on right now? Um, yeah, I mean, I love the work at Columbia. I'm trying to start a nonprofit. I'm not ready to talk about that. I'm doing some writing. Uh, I have, a, I like my own podcast very, very much, which is called Food with Mark Bittman. I'll plug that. We have a near daily newsletter called the Bittman Project that I work on with a bunch of other people. And that's been fun. So I'm a, yeah, I have like five jobs. I'm excited about it. <laughs> and they all come back to this, to taking food seriously. So well, they are. The idea was to talk about food. I mean, I still do cookbooks too. I didn't even mention that. The idea is to talk about food from every angle possible and try to tie them all together. I think that's important. And, um, you know, I've been lucky enough to be able to develop a career that allows me to work on that. Yeah. Well, I, I love the thing that the harder I work, the luckier I get. Right. I think <laughs> that's, that's good. That's kind of true. I think so. Uh, so you, you definitely do that. And we really, I, I personally really appreciate all of your work that you're doing. I do love your podcast and I encourage people to check out the Bitman project. I'll, I'll have a link to that on my site with this podcast. And, um, and I thank you so much for being here. I, it really, really is fun, Ellie, and great to see you. Great to see you too. I hope we get to see each other in person soon. You too. Take care. All right. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening. Taking food seriously is a multi-layered topic, but I hope you walk away today with some helpful and inspiring ideas on how to move the needle forward for better food for everyone. Go to elliekrieger.com to learn more about Mark Bittman and the Bittman Project. And join me next time for another One Real Good Thing. <laughs>